0: This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Thank you for, uh, leading that song. I hadn't heard that one in a while. That's uh, a very powerful song, meaningful to me. We used to sing that as a, a child when I was uh, in Georgia at some of, our, some of our churches out there. So thank you for that. Uh, ben, thank you for the communion thought. I thought you gave a wonderful thought. Uh, This morning as we think about the life of Jesus Christ and what he means to us. Uh, We're so appreciative to our Bible class teachers, to our shepherds, to our staff, to everyone here that makes this church so special. We just want to say we appreciate you and we love you. Now to our visitors. I'm seeing a number of visitors here this hello this morning. We're so excited that you're here with us. You are our honored guest, and you're always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open. We're going to ask that you do us a favor. In the back of your pew, there's a visitor's card that's custom-made just for you. Take that out and fill it out, and we've got a box in the foyer that you can place that card into as you exit this morning, or you can pass that card into me or to one of our shepherds. All we want to do is reach out to you and say thank you, send you a note, and invite you back out if you're ever in this area because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Uh, What a wonderful weekend, right? Memorial Day is on Monday, so many of you have the day off. All of you should have the day off. So when you're having your barbecue tomorrow, wherever you are, make sure you just lift up a special prayer to all our veterans and their families and to everyone overseas and working so hard to protect this country. They are special people, so make sure you just say a kind word to them and thank them if you see them and they come uh, your way. Before we begin this morning, I think Aaron might be listening and I just wanted to say thank you for allowing me to be gone last Sunday as I celebrated my 34th, 4th, 31st, 34th. Did I just have a senior moment? I forgot what... <laughs> My 34th birthday with my lovely wife, we got to spend time with family, and Aaron filled in for me, and I thought he did an outstanding, outstanding, amazing job. He's getting better and better. We're going to greatly just, just miss him uh, as he transitions uh, over to, to Phoenix. Uh, we love him, and Aaron, if you're watching, don't have too much fun in Hawaii uh, without us. That's where they are right now, so uh, we're appreciative uh, to him and to that family. That means so much. Uh, Ferry and Ava brought their family with them this morning, got a special announcement for you. They are going to be baptized today at the conclusion of our service, and they brought their entire family to come witness this great moment. So we're so thankful that you guys are here with us uh, this morning. Mark and Deborah have been uh, friends with them, and working with them, and uh, loving on them, and uh, just so thankful that they are here and a part of our fellowship. So thank you. This week, we are going to continue on in our three-part sermon series entitled uh, Courage. Uh, For this entire month, we've been discussing how we can become more courageous for the Lord in 2015, And in part one, we talked about how to obtain courage to speak the truth. And we said, speak the truth also in love. So that was part one. Uh, And then today in part two, we are going to discuss how to uh, take courage in facing your faults. Uh, Because it takes some strength to be able to examine yourself and realize that there are deficiencies in your life and then go through the process of learning how to change those deficiencies. And it takes time to do that. It takes courage. So we're going to work our way through this material today and thinking in light of that. And then next week, our final sermon will be on the courage to follow your calling. So today, let's talk about facing our faults. The story goes that the preacher asked everybody to stand at the congregation, and he said, "'To those of you who forgive and forget past grievances, please be seated.' And everyone in the congregation sat down except for one old lady. "'Ma'am,' the preacher asked, "'why can't you forgive and love your enemies?' She replied, "'Because I don't have any.' And he said, "'That's remarkable at your age.'" that's wonderful you don't have any enemies how were you able to make that happen she gave uh, the preacher a big smile and she said i i outlived them all that's how i was able to be in this position of not having any enemies you know all of us have faults right even if we're not aware of them we all have faults even if we're not aware of them And this first scripture talks about the importance of examining our lives in light of that. And I heard a preacher say one time, some of the greatest faults that we have or biggest faults that we have are those that we're not even aware of. You see, we all know the things that we struggle with on a daily basis, but the ones that we aren't aware of are the ones that can be so problematic to us. So if you have your Bibles this morning, a copy of the New Testament, there's some in the back of your pews you can read up on the screen. We're gonna look at our first passage of scripture found in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number five. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse number five, New International Version says this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? I don't know about you, but I do not like tests. Never did when I was in high school or college. Still don't like tests today. But there's something very important here to learn from this text. The first thing that the author here says is that we ought to examine ourselves examine ourselves. Now I wonder how often we do that. How much time do we spend throughout the day or through the week just thinking about our lives and how to improve our lives and work on our faults or our deficiencies? But the Bible uses this word examine. Now what does it mean to examine if you can think of the definition of that? And many of you are pondering that definition now. What does it mean to examine? Those in the medical field or in the field of science really understand that word examine. The word examine means to inspect or scrutinize carefully. Now, I don't want to scrutinize myself. But to scrutinize and inspect carefully. Many of you are watching the NBA playoffs right now, or you should be, amen? (laughs) Golden, <laughs> the Golden State Warriors are up. So thankful the Clippers lost. Um, but Golden State is probably going to the finals now. And you know why the Golden State Warriors are so good? Uh, what they do after each and every game is they take the film and they sit down in the film room and they watch the film of the game. And the reason why they watch the film of the game is to see where they might improve in some areas or where there are deficiencies in their play. And they do that every single time they play. They sit down in a dark room and push play and watch and study and look to scrutinize themselves in their play. We need to be able to do that in light of our spirituality, to self examine ourselves in the army as we think about memorial day one of the things that we do in the army is whenever we hold an event or we do some kind of mission or training after the training we have what we call an aar and many of you know what that is that is an after action review meaning you do the event and then you critique yourself based on how you performed during the event i have an aar every single sunday for my wife when it comes to my sermons right so I'll say, I'll say to Mary, what did I do good? She said, you did that good. I said, what do I need to improve on? She said, don't ever tell that joke. That was horrible, right? So I learned from my spouse as she scrutinizes me on how to improve and how to get better. We all have to do this spiritually. We have to examine ourselves in light of our faith journey and figure out areas where we can improve or areas where we are weak. Examine yourself Daily, the scripture uses that word often. And then it goes on to say make sure you test yourselves. Many of you growing up, you used to use flashcards, right? Whenever you had that, uh, that uh, geography test or that social studies test, you'd take out the flashcards, you'd write the answer on the back, the question on the front, and you'd flip it over, testing yourself to see how much you've learned and how much you've grown or how much you know. I think a great way to test ourselves is to get involved in mission to see where we are, test ourselves. I love when people say, you know what, I've never been on a mission trip before, but I'm gonna go on a mission trip to Mexico or to overseas to make sure I test myself and to live out my faith. A great way to test yourself is to do something out of the norm. If you've never been on a mission trip, make sure you sign up for one and go it will really challenge you and bless you at the same time or make sure you go and visit that nursing home that's across the street from your house that's a test isn't it you, any of you spent time in a nursing home okay for those of you ha- that have you know it's a, it's a challenge right you go in there and there's all kinds of stuff that you're not used to and it's a challenge to see how you're going to react but i would encourage you to do that or what about going to feed the homeless you know that guy that always sits on the corner next to that gas station that you drive by every day, stop and get them a cup of coffee and a donut or something like that and see how that challenges you. Test yourself often. Challenge yourself and see what that does to your faith. Your faith will grow in tremendous ways. But many of us, like I said, we don't like tests. We don't like to be challenged. We just want to be comfortable. But Scripture says examine and test yourself. Next passage of Scripture, John chapter 9, verses 39 through 41. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Ponder that, Batman. Think about that text for a moment. What I love about the life of Jesus and the message of Jesus is that Jesus came to flip the world upside down. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. You remember those scriptures. The blind will see, and those that think they can see will become blind. What the Pharisees said here is we are self-righteous. We got everything figured out. There is no sin or no problems in our lives. We're living on the proper trajectory. And Jesus said to them, you don't realize how blind you are. And as believers in Jesus Christ, as Christians, as those that belong to the household of faith, it's really easy for us to do this. We're in church every Sunday. We're we're, we're giving. uh, We're serving. So guess what? Our lives are are A-OK. We're doing well. We're kind to our neighbors, this, that, or the other. And what we do is we become self-righteous, not realizing that we are in sin just like people outside of the kingdom. The only difference is, is we've been baptized and we are covered in the blood of Jesus. So when we make mistakes, our sins can be forgiven and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But we're all under sin in the same condition. Even right now, I know many of you in this auditorium are struggling with some kind of sin in your life. And it's grasped you. It's taking control of you. You try to defeat it. You try to do better, but you keep slipping up and you keep messing up in the same area. You know what I'm talking about this morning, that sin that you don't want anybody to know about. But you keep falling short. And all I'm saying to you this morning, church, is we're all guilty of that. And it takes courage to say, you know what, I'm guilty in this area and I need help. And Jesus wants us to be courageous, to acknowledge that. I'm broken and I need help. And when you're able to do that, then you can be repaired. But if you say, hey, I'm okay, I'm an outstanding Christian, we might have a problem there. And like I said, the sins we are most guilty of are those that we are not aware of. So I was uh, deployed overseas for 12 months uh, to the country of Egypt. And whenever you go to a foreign country with the military, one of the things that they ask you to do is to learn some of the language uh, so that you're not there without having some general knowledge of terminology. So I tried to learn some Arabic. I tried to a little bit. I'm horrible at it, but I tried to show, you know, that I, I understood the culture a little bit. And the first word that I learned was habibi. Habibi, right? And I would use that word With everybody. (laughs) I learned that word because someone told me that's a term of endearment. So I said all right so when I got picked up from the airport I would get in the taxi and I would say to the taxi cab driver, take me Habibi. And the taxi cab driver would look at me like, what is wrong with you, right? And I would use that word everywhere, in the marketplaces, in the streets, talking, ha, ha, baby. And people, and finally, someone came up to me and said, Jason, you don't use that word. Because in the American English translation, that's basically calling someone baby wherever you go. So wherever I was going, I would say, hey, baby, how are you? <laughs> And I was wondering why I was getting these weird looks, right? And they said, no, use the word Sadiqi, which means friend. That's the word that you use. I made a mistake. It was unintentional. I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't aware until someone made me aware. And guess what? That's what the church is here for, to make us aware. When we're living lives, or speaking or doing things that are contrary to the will of God, we're doing it unintentionally, but we need to become aware. And that's what the church is here for. Leviticus chapter 4, verses 27 and 28. We know this passage. If a member of the community sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, he is guilty. When you sin unintentionally, you do something you didn't want to do, it just kind of happened, it, just, it was just there, you just made a mistake. He's guilty. When he is made aware of the sin he committed, he must bring his offering for the sin he committed, a female goat without defect. We all make mistakes unintentionally every single day. And it's the job of our loved ones in our community or our brothers and sisters in Christ to help us through those mistakes without passing judgment. Without passing judgment. And sometimes it's hard to do with the community of faith. I was in Sacramento when I was at my previous church, and I had the opportunity to convert someone who... Uh, didn't have the best reputation in the street. You see, we lived in an inner city area in the Del Paso Heights region of Sacramento. Uh, Gary Marsh, if he's here, he knows where that is. It's a really rough uh, neighborhood. And I befriended this guy and I was able to convert him, not me, God using me to do whatever he was doing. And he was baptized and we added him to the church. And I mean, he was fresh off the streets. And we would have Bible studies with him at church. You know how you have Sunday morning Bible class and he would be in Bible class and he would slip up and say a four-letter word during Bible class. And I tell you what, I was so embarrassed. Everybody would just, stop, oh, what did he say, right? But what I loved about it, he was, it wasn't intentional. That is the lifestyle that he lived. That's how he spoke. So it just came out, right? And I had to pull him aside and say, hey, man, you know, we don't do that here. He said, I'm trying. I'm trying. And it was so great that our church that day didn't pass judgment. Instead, they were like, wow, look at this guy trying to turn his life around. And that's what we need in the church, right? Not passing judgment, but helping people turn their lives around. Titus chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. I'm almost done this morning, church. Titus chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Even one of their own prophets had said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith. We need to add some context to this verse, right? We need to add some context to this verse. This rebuking sharply term, we first of all need to define what the term rebuke means. It means to correct sharply. If you see someone in error or see something, it's like uh, the classic example of you're holding your baby and the baby runs out into the middle of the street and a car is getting ready to come and hit the baby. You're not going to say to the baby, come here. Let's just take you over here and you don't do that again. That's not rebuke. If you see your baby do that, you say, stop, get over here, and don't you ever do that again. That's a sharp rebuke. That's what rebuke means. And in this text, Titus tells us that we have to rebuke. Well, why would he say this? Well, we live in a culture where people teach that what is wrong is right and what is up is down. And what Titus was doing is he's making reference to false teaching in the city or in the region of Crete. And false teaching, if it's continued to fester through communities, leads to sin. And the scripture says sin leads to death. And that's why it must be sharply rebuked. And if you didn't know, there is a ton of false teaching going on today in our culture. Tons of false teaching everywhere. Sometimes we even hear it from the pulpit. I was at the conference and I heard a preacher say, you know, Christians, we have Christian liberty. People of faith, we have liberty. We can do whatever we want to do. We can watch any kind of television show or movie and it could be full of smut. We can listen to any type of music with negative messages as long as we don't let that message corrupt what's going on on the inside. Have you ever heard a doctor say, you can eat as much sugar as you want and you'll never get diabetes? If you ever meet that doctor, send them to me or let me know, because I want to go have a conversation with this person, right? Have you ever heard somebody say, you can smoke as many cigarettes as you want every single day and you don't have to worry about cancer? It just doesn't make good sense, right? So Christians, we have to protect ourselves from this false teaching and these terrible messages that we see in media, in culture, on the music airwaves. We've got to protect ourselves from that because junk in equals junk out. And I know a lot of people say, well, I'm a strong Christian. I won't let that impact me. All right, okay, we'll see. Or I hear the message of, you can be a Christian today, you can be a Christian and not attend church. That's a big message going on today. You've heard that one before. I'm a Christian, but I don't belong to a community of faith. I practice my spirituality on my own. It doesn't work that way. That's like saying, I play on the basketball team, but I never show up for the games or practice. But I'm on the team. I tried that in high school, it doesn't work, right? I'm a part of the team. No, you're not because we don't see you. It doesn't work that way. And there's a lot of false messages going on in the world everywhere. And those messages have to be sharply rebuked by people like you and I. And that's what we talked about in week number one, part number one of this series, courage to speak the truth. And we've got to have the courage to say what needs to be said. Because if we don't, the culture will begin, that message will begin to fester. And the scripture says a little bit of leaven, right, Carl? Leavens the whole lump. So we got to make sure we take that out and take care of that. Last two verses, and then I'm done. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all... Things and consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. In my opinion, church, the world desperately needs to know Christ. Not know of Christ, but know Christ. We've got to show people how Christ lived. We have to act upon our faith. Our faith must be in action. Our love must be in action. We have to show people Christ so that they can know Christ. A lot of times we just want people to know of Christ, but not really know Christ. We've got to model that in our daily living, and therein lies the challenge that's hard to do. But then we have this promise and this gift. In the end, Romans chapter 8, verses 28, verse 28 And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God works together for the good. When I think about Ferry and Abba this morning, as they consider their new life in Jesus Christ, this verse really, really applies to them. When you become a Christian, when you put Christ on in baptism, everything in your life will work out. And some of you are saying, that's not true. That's not true. I'm a Christian and my mom still passed away of cancer. She was a faithful disciple. My friend was murdered and he was a Christian. What about the persecution overseas and what's going on in the world? I'm telling you, this promise is true. All things work together for the good because for the Christian sickness and even death is nothing. We have defeated that in Christ Jesus. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We have the hope of salvation. So when we pass in the flesh, we have something way better prepared for us in the future. So we don't have any worries. But Satan is good at what he does. Jesus gives us hope. So when you put Christ on in baptism and you decide to follow him, the scripture says everything will work out for the good, even in sickness, even in pain, even in uh, financial disasters, even in family crisis, everything will work out for the good because in Christ you have victory. Christ defeated the world and so can you. This morning we have a song of imitation selected. And during that song of invitation, we're inviting you to come forward. If you wanna put Jesus Christ on in baptis- baptism this morning, this invitation is for you. If you're looking for prayer this morning and the courage to face your faults, you can come forward and the church will pray with you and for you to help you overcome that. And we're not gonna judge you here. And if you think someone is judging you or you find out somebody's judging you, let me know. Right? <laughs> I'm little, but I pack a mighty punch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We have a song of invitation selected. If there is anyone here with a need, we invite you to come together while we stand and sing.